Father, I do thank you that you are the most high God, and that your Son, Jesus Christ, is our Lord, and that we are in your kingdom. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, who leads us and who guides us. And I thank you, Father, for the things you have done for us and the things that you are going to do for us. And for all that you do do, we ascribe unto you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, hence now and forevermore. And all who agreed said, Amen. I was telling the pastor this morning that something unusual occurred last night. About 2.30, I was awakened by the Holy Spirit. And uh, he shared with me some information about something I neglected to do last night. And so uh, we're going to do it right now. And this deals with the five-fold ministry gifts, which are commonly called the ascension gifts, that Jesus Christ gave to the church when he ascended on high. Now, unfortunately, there are many in the church world, the so-called church world, who know very little about these gifts that Jesus gives. Because you see, they go to theological universities, colleges, and so forth. And uh, their emphasis is on the pastor or the shepherd. And as a result, all of the other anointed gifts that God has put into the body of Christ is very often ignored. But Jesus is going to change that. He's going to change that. He's going to bring the fivefold ministry gifts together again the way they're supposed to operate. Jesus does not want any one particular gift to monopolize his church. And unfortunately, that's what's occurring. So I thought it was important for me, when the Lord gave this to me, I thought it was so important, I literally wrote it down so I could share it with you. Now, you know, the word says over in Ephesians, I'm going to read it to you from the word, and then I'm going to just speak for a moment about what that actually means. The word in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, the word says, he, talking about Jesus, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he, meaning Jesus, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Then there's a purpose for this for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Why? That we henceforth no more be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So the purpose of the gifts that Jesus has given to the church is to prepare the saints. We are all saints. And when we come into the kingdom of God, we come in as babes. And the purpose is for those who are called by Jesus and set in the body of Christ as fivefold ministry gifts and occupy the office of those fivefold ministry gifts, they have a responsibility. And that is the purpose of the gifts. That's to prepare the saints for the work of the ministry in all areas to make the body of Christ stronger. To bring the body of Christ to the point where it is all joined together in what it believes and what it knows about the Son of God. That's Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. And there's a goal that these gifts are supposed to achieve. And that goal is to develop the believers to become like mature, full-grown men and women so that the believers will look just like Jesus and have all of his perfections. Bring us all together so that as a unit, as all of us together combined, we look just like Jesus. And we have the same abilities, powers, and perfections that Jesus has. Now, why did Jesus give these gifts? So that his body will no longer be like babies and children. So that his body will no longer be tossed around like ships in the water being driven by winds in different directions. Influenced by teachings heard from people who are trying to deceive them. People who make clever plans and use every kind of trick to fool others into following the wrong way. And that we see occurring tremendously in the world today. I'm so thankful that in this church, the Lord has blessed this church, and I've been here for six months now and kind of checking things out, with a pastor who's sticking to the word of God and preaching the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, not another gospel, not a gospel of motivation or other kinds of things, but the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit just dealt with me about last night, about 2.30 in the morning. And then that being the case, then let's continue on with uh, where we left off last night. We're talking about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, part of it is in heaven where God himself is on his throne with all of the government of heaven there. And then the other part of the kingdom 
belongs to those of us who are here on the earth, and we are supposed to demonstrate that kingdom. Now, there has been some preaching and teaching in the past which has been in grace, grave error, because there are those, and I have seen it on television, who believe that we, the body of Christ, should establish the kingdom of God on the earth right now. We should have our own communities. We should have our own citizenship in our communities, in our states. We should have our own banking institutions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, no. We're not to have that. That's the responsibility, and that's the job of Jesus when he returns for his millennial reign. And in fact, that's what the Israelites thought that Jesus would do when he had his earthly ministry. And they said to him, wilt thou at this time restore unto us the kingdom? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's, it's not for you to know nothing about that right now. But you just wait for the promise of the Father. You wait for the promise of the Father. And that waiting for the promise of the Father meant wait for the Holy Spirit to arise so that they could receive power to be witnesses unto Jesus, to demonstrate the kingdom of God on the earth. And that's what Jesus did. He demonstrated the gospel of the kingdom on the earth. He did not establish the kingdom of God on the earth. He demonstrated it. And it was so important to Jesus, this business about the kingdom of God is so important, that when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said there are certain things and priorities which we must be involved with in prayer. The number one priority is God himself. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Develop through worship an intimate relationship with God our Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That fulfills the first and great commandment that Jesus said must be fulfilled. And that is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our essence of all of our being. That's the first priority for everybody who comes into the body of Christ, even as a new babe. Number one. Then Jesus lays it out. What's the second priority? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. So to bring down the kingdom of God so that the things of God that's done is done on the earth as it is in heaven is the second priority, kingdom business. And that is to demonstrate the kingdom of God. You see, everything in heaven is already complete and already done. Everything there is already perfect. It's here that we need his will done here on the earth, even as it is in heaven. And that's what Jesus did. When he was on the earth, he demonstrated the kingdom of God. How? He went throughout Galilee and all the various cities and places teaching in synagogues and preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom. And then he demonstrated the results of what the gospel of the kingdom is all about. 
by healing all who were oppressed of the devil, healing with all kinds of miracles, signs, and wonders. When that occurs, casting out devils, when those kinds of things occur, that's a demonstration of the superiority of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. And that's what it's all about. Because there is warfare going on in the unseen spirit realm that affects all of us here in this natural realm. And when we cast out a devil, or we lay hands on somebody to receive healing, or the gifts of the spirit start to flow through us to bless somebody, that's an indication of the power of God over the power of the devil that has caused the problem for that individual person. Are you with me? That being the case then, this is a very good time for us to understand that God knows about this battle. And he himself has given us exceedingly great, mighty, precious weapons of warfare to use in this battle. Now, most of the what we call the church of today know very little about these awesome weapons of warfare which are mighty through God to bring down the storm, to bring down the strongholds and the assaults that Satan brings against God's people in the body of Christ. So we're going to just delve into this a little bit today and see what these weapons are and discover how they are used because these weapons are exceedingly valuable and priceless for us, and they have been given to us by Almighty God for us to use. Why? Because we are laborers together with God. Now, God is sovereign, and he can do things all by himself. But since the victory of Jesus at the cross over all of the forces of the devil, over all demonic powers and situation, God has given basically the responsibility for dealing with satanic assaults and things which are against the body of Christ over to his believers. But if we don't know what to do, then nothing is done. We are laborers together with God. The scripture makes that very clear. We have our role to play, and when we play our role, then God gets in on the scene and does what only God can do. So what are some of these awesome weapons that have been provided to us by God? Well, one of them is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is so powerful because it is a name that is above every other kind of name. It is a name that is against blindness. It can be used against blindness. It can be used against those who are crippled. It can be used against anything that Satan brings against the people of God. Because everything has a name. And everything must bow to that name of Jesus and do what it has been instructed to do in that name. If there's sickness in your body, 
in that name, that sickness can be cursed to death and told to die. And it has no choice except to die. Just as Jesus cursed the fig tree. And the next day when the disciples came by, they saw that the fig tree had dried up from the roots. We then have been given his name to use his name and to compel obedience, the name of Jesus. It's right there in the scripture. And when you see in the book of Acts, when you find the things which were done, they were the great nice miracles of people who were blind, the person at the gate who was crippled, and Peter saw him and perceived he had faith to be healed, lifted him up and said, in the name of Jesus, walk. And the man walked. It was all because of the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. So I would encourage us to be more cognizant of the value and the power that's in the name of Jesus and to use it in various situations where the enemy comes against us. Not only for yourself, but even for others. I have seen that name used. I have brought that name against tumors and seen those tumors instantly disappear. That's the kind of power that's in the name of Jesus. What other kinds of weapons of warfare are available to us? Well, not only is there the name of Jesus, there's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is absolutely astounding and awesome. The blood of Jesus has the power and the capacity and the ability to overcome and to destroy. The blood of Jesus is also a protective instrument that God has given to us. That goes all the way back to the Old Testament at the Passover. When the Israelites were told to place the blood of a lamb on the doorpost and the death angel would go by. Well, God has given us the authority to overcome. Overcome whatever it is we need to overcome. How? By the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. The blood of Jesus has enormous power. Why does the blood of Jesus have so much power in it? Because the blood of Jesus contains the life and the power of God. It's in his blood. So that's another mighty weapon of warfare that we as believers in Christ, in the kingdom of God, are authorized to use. So we've discussed the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, now let's discuss the power of God. We have the right to bring the power of God against certain situations. Why can we bring the power of God? What happens when we bring the power of God against certain kinds of situations? We destroy the situation. It was the power of God that raised Jesus up from the dead. That's awesome power. It was the power of God that God himself used by the Holy Spirit to create the entire universe. 
It's the same power that Samson used when he took the jawbone of a donkey and slayed thousands of people, enemies. Power of God is awesome. What else? What other kind of weapons does the Lord give unto us? The word of God. The word of God is what Jesus himself used against Satan when Jesus was tempted of Satan in the desert. He brought all of Satan's activities to an end with the word of God. And that's why Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why is the word of God so powerful? If you study the scriptures, we'll find that the word of God, God himself says, in fact, is not my word like a fire and a hammer that breaks things into pieces? God's word brought against the problem, the situation, the attack, whatever it might be, acts as a fire. What does a fire do? Fire burns things up, melts things down, destroys things, and consumes it. Anything that's not of God in your body, for example, when you bring the fire of God against it, the fire of God deals with that problem in your body to bring it to nothing. So we have the name of Jesus, we have the blood of Jesus, we have the word of God, we have the fire of God, and there's another weapon that our Father has given to us to use against the onslaughts of the enemy, and that is praise. Go with me for a moment if you have your Bibles. If not, I'll read it to you over the Psalms, chapter 8, verse 2. Hallelujah. Look what God has done. O Lord, our Lord, our God, our Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When we look at those words very carefully, we find that they have phenomenal meanings. Thou has ordained strength. That means he has ordained praise because of his enemies that he might still that means that he might bring to an end, cause to cease, to fail, that he may exterminate, that he may destroy, that he may put an end to whatever the situation is. That's what he does 
in the spirit realm when we do what we're supposed to do from this natural realm by operating in the spirit, by doing the things that he says to do according to his word. So after we then launch our spiritual weapons of warfare against the problems, whatever they may be, they become active in the spirit realm. And then God, who watches over our words and who watches our faith to release those words, moves to bring that problem, whatever it might be, to an end. And that's what we must learn to do as believers in Christ who are in the kingdom of God. There are things we must do, and when we do what we're supposed to do, then God does what only he can do. And when we do what we're supposed to do, and then God does what only he can do, that then becomes a demonstration of the power of God over all of the power and the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. Have you received? Now, <clears throat> here's how you can become very discouraged if you don't know God and if you don't know the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will show you something and you will reveal it and there's no response to it. So you begin, if you're not careful, if you really don't know the Holy Spirit, you begin to doubt yourself. Never doubt yourself when the Holy Spirit reveals something to you because he can never make a mistake. You can make one, but he, when you are under his influence, under his anointing, flowing with him in the name of Jesus, he's not going to reveal anything to you that's not of God. Last night, for example, there were several things that he revealed even before the ministry began. And I see a lot of people here right now who were here last night, so obviously these things don't apply to those of us who are here now or those of you who are here now. If there's somebody here now who was not here last night, then it might reveal, it might apply. And that was this woman with the white dress, seen from the rear, walking down the street by the edge of the curve with a man who was to her right, cars coming back and forth. And she was probably about in her 20s. And in most situations, and I perceive that this occurred in a foreign country. Probably somewhere in South America. But it could be in England, because in England people drive on the opposite side of the street compared to the way we drive here. But nobody responded. But that condition still exists. And I'm just putting it out there. Because it still does 
exist. And when we were worshiping this morning, the Lord revealed something else to me. And that is a condition that somebody uh, is being affected with that deals with their right arm. And I'll tell you what it was. On the back of the right arm, where you have the muscles of the upper part of the right arm, they have an ache. Aching muscles almost down to the bone in the right arm. And that was pretty clear cut. That may be you. It may not be you. But it's somebody that Jesus knows about. Amen? Well, hallelujah. Well, Father, everything you desire and desire to be brought forth has been brought forth. And I thank you that you are the same, Jesus, today, yesterday, and forever. And I pray, dear Lord, that the words you have brought forth will sink into the hearts and minds of those who have heard, and that they will begin to aggressively enforce the victory you have already established for us through Christ Jesus here in this natural realm so that your will is done for us here on earth even as it is in heaven. Lord, only by your Holy Spirit can you cause a deep desire for your people to grasp the treasures that you have hidden in Christ Jesus for us. Now, Father, they have been released. And I give you praise, I give you honor, I give you glory with thanksgiving for all that you have done and for the things that you have done, we ascribe unto you all of the honor, the glory, and the praise now, henceforth and forever. In Jesus' mighty name, and all who agreed said, Amen. 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 Jesus said in John 14, 12, that 